fancy, dear. Yes, Kermit. But on the radio. Whatever for? Carl Anderson is on, and I quite like the fellow. Are you attracted to him? Carl Anderson will fight on. Whatever the cause may be, we shall never surrender. Live from a secret location that's not secretive. Carl Anderson. Live from the 680 CJOB studios, here's Hal Anderson. Ah, yes, so happy Wednesday, game day, go Jets, go. Go Jets, go. We're going to talk a lot today about the hockey game. We've got uh, Brittany Greenslade, Global News reporter Brittany Greenslade, coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. Coming up after the news at 1.30, Brent Fitz, well-known Winnipeg musician. Of course, he's played with all the big names. The latest guy he was uh, uh, playing with is uh, Gene Simmons. Not sure if that's still happening, but we'll talk to Brent. He's joining us after the news at 1.30 from his home in Las Vegas. Now, I can't remember exactly when that was. Kathy Kennedy is real tight with Brent, and she brought him in, and we had him on this show a while back. He was in studio and we talked then about what do you do? You know, at that point, the Golden Knights were playing really well, and obviously the Jets were playing really well. What are you going to, you know, where does your loyalty lie in the end? Has to be torn. In fact, I was going through pictures from when he was in studio uh, uh, then, and uh, he was wearing a Golden Knights jacket. So we'll talk to Brent. Brent Fitz after 1.30, after the news at 1.30 with Tristan Field-Jones. Coming up here in about 10 minutes, we are going to go across the pond, as they say, to talk to Global News correspondent Redmond Shannon. Redmond will be covering the royal wedding on the weekend, and we'll talk to him about the royal wedding. Also, rookie camp begins this afternoon for our Bombers. Bob Irving will join us. We talked to Bob the other day. We'll talk to Bob again. Rookie camp is... uh, Underway today, goes till Friday. Medicals, I think, on Saturday, and then main camp uh, starts on Sunday. And and we're only a couple of weeks away from that first preseason game, two preseasons, and then the Eskies are here uh, to start the regular season mid-June. Uh, I don't have the exact dates in front of me, but we'll get the, all that information out for you. Christian O'Mell is going to join us today, uh, Global News reporter, of course, to talk about peddling the peg. You just heard about it in the news a bike sharing uh, plan. And uh, so Christian will, I'm told, he told me in the newsroom, uh, he'll join us at 2.15 and he will be wearing his bike helmet. So we'll see if he lives up to that promise. Um, also, I don't know if you heard this this morning. I, I got up first thing this morning, right at 6 o'clock, Mackley and McGarry were talking about this, uh, you know, on the internet when they had the two dresses, what color is the dress? Is it blue or tan? Remember that? And there's always these, you know, these situations on the internet where one person sees one thing and another person sees something else. Well, now there's this uh, audio. And some people, when they hear the audio, hear Laurel, and other people hear Yanny. Now, you think, that's how can that be? But it's true. Some people hear Laurel, and some people hear Yanny. Well, I just got an email from Global News reporter Diana Foxhall, who tells me she has been talking to a linguistics professor, and we'll have that audio for you coming up on the show today. Explain how that can be, all right? Oh, uh, I'm really excited about the interview that you'll hear after the news at 2.30. Dr. Mark Friedman, 
is an MS researcher in Ottawa, and he is in Bulgaria right now, talking stem cells over in Bulgaria. And he will join us after the news at 2.30. We've been talking a lot this week about MS, obviously a horrible disease, and lots of cases of MS here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. And so we'll get the latest from Dr. Mark Friedman. That's after the 2.30 news. We're also today going to have a tough trivia question for you, as we always do. And we'll give you Cirque du Soleil crystal tickets. That show is happening October 3rd to 7th at Bell MTS Place. And we're going to toss in some Santa Lucia pizza as well. All right? I'm going to tell you exactly when we're going to do that. Going to keep you in the dark on that for a bit. But just stick around, stay close, and we'll give you plenty of time to call in and answer our tough trivia question. And then in the final hour... After the news at 3, about 3.15, Brittany Greenslade will join us. She is another global news reporter, and she is in Vegas, in Vegas, talking to people down there, talking to a lot of Winnipeg Jets fans, as many, many Winnipeggers and Manitobans are down there uh, for Game 3 in the uh, series between our Jets and those Vegas Golden Knights. So Brittany will join us at about 3.15. All right, I think I've covered off most everything, and then, of course, all kinds of other stuff. Oh, I do have a question for you. What is the worst movie you've ever paid to go and see? Worst movie you've ever paid to go and see? I'd be curious to hear your votes for the worst movie. They asked this on Twitter, and, of course, it went crazy. And I'll share with you some of the comments from Twitter and uh, your comments as well when you start getting them to me, 204 780 6868, you can uh, phone or text that number. You can email hal at cjob.com. All right, the worst movie you've ever paid to go and see. And I see I got a bit of snail mail here, as uh, Peter Warren used to say here on CJOB, from the uh, Norwegian Canadian Club. So I know that's from my friend Janet Campbell. Just, uh, Just double check and make sure it's not something else, but I'm pretty sure it's my copy of the Viking Times. Us Norwegians, we got to stick together, you know. Yep, there it is, the Viking Times, May-June edition, 2018. All right, so I've got reading material in case the show gets boring. <laughs> 111, it's Hal Anderson Afternoons on CJOB. Yeah, if we want to get to 22, we better get at it. 13 degrees, but nice and sunny outside right now. Joining us now, Global News Correspondent Redmond Shannon. Good afternoon, Redmond. Hey, how's it going? I am great. Well, uh, you will have a front row seat to a royal wedding. This is a big deal. It is a big deal. This is the biggest wedding of the year. Let's let's uh, not um, forget, it's this huge event that everybody's looking forward to but nowhere more than right here in Windsor. I'm looking across at historic Windsor Castle right here. It's an overcast day, but uh, the sun is peeking through, and we believe it will be even nicer on Saturday. So uh, a lot of excitement, huge preparations for this small town of of 30,000 people or so, expecting about 10,000 visitors for this uh, big event on Saturday, and um, the world's media as well, focusing on Windsor, just west of London. Why are these weddings such a big deal all around the world, Redmond? 
Well, you know what? It's, it's, I think it's to do with national pride and particularly in the UK because one interesting thing about the United Kingdom is it doesn't have a national day. There's no equivalent of Canada Day or Bastille Day or the 4th of July. There is no unifying national day to celebrate Britishness. So when they have a royal wedding here, it is a time for everybody to get out the flags uh, unashamedly celebrate their nationality, celebrate what it means to be British. Uh, you know, the royal family is synonymous, the British royal family, with, uh, the, the, with the sense of identity here in Britain. So it's, uh, that's why it's such a big deal, because these are so rare. Um, once Prince Harry gets, gets married on Saturday, we may not have another um, marriage like this for another 20 or 30 years, with the, uh, given the generations in the royal family. Yeah. Do the British like Meghan Markle? I think they do. There is, uh, generally speaking, because she is this uh, Hollywood star, um, there is a huge tabloid obsession with her, as there was, of course, with Harry's late mother, Princess Diana, as there was and is with the Duchess of Cornwall, Kate Middleton. Um, they, They do like to build someone up as a superstar, but of course you have to be concerned about what happens if you know, a controversy comes down the line. Right. They tend to go for the jugular. But uh, laws have changed since the Diana era, and paparazzi, photographers, and the tabloid press have many more rules to abide by than they did 30 years ago. So, you know, how Kate Middleton has been treated was, is much different to how Diana was treated, and one would like to think that Meghan will be treated with the same amount of, of respect. I hope so. There have been some controversies, though, on Meghan Markle's side. Uh, Her dad, is he going to make it to the wedding? He was out, and now I hear he's back in again. What's the latest? Well, it's it's all up in the air. We're we're less than 72 hours out from the biggest wedding of the year, and we don't know. We just don't know whether Thomas Markle will be walking his daughter down the aisle at this huge wedding. You know, you had this controversy surrounding the photographs that were taken in this internet cafe that were apparently staged. He said, okay, I won't attend because of the controversy surrounding that. Then now you have him say that he is expecting to go through heart surgery, so that will stop him from coming to the wedding. Nothing is certain. You don't have the palace's uh, confirming either way on this. So we're, we're so close to the big day and we don't know if he's going to be walking his daughter down the aisle. It may indeed be Doria Raglan, the mother of the bride who walks her down the aisle. It sounds like it goes against normal tradition, but it isn't unprecedented in the royal family. Queen Victoria, after her husband, Prince Albert, died, she walked two of her daughters down the aisle uh, at their weddings. So not unprecedented for, for this to happen in a big royal wedding. You know, my mom uh, is a big fan of the royal family. She always has been. Loved Diana. And uh, maybe this is a bit of her coming through me, but I just want Harry to be happy. You know, William seems happy. I just want Harry to be happy. Uh, those boys have gone through so much. Well, they have. You know, uh, just a few months ago, or last August, actually, it was now, uh, I was outside Kensington Palace for Global News on the 20th anniversary of the death of their mother, Princess Diana. Hard to believe it's that long ago now. Yeah. And there was still a big crowd of people there to pay their respects who, who were so shocked at the time. It was such a huge global news event, if you remember. Mm. Uh, global with a small g, of course. Yes, at, right. At the time. <laughs> and uh, it was something, obviously, that hit no one more than Harry 
and his brother William. And mm. they were just kids at the time. Harry has said in interviews that no child should ever have to do that, which is something that anyone who's been through that will agree with. So obviously it had a huge impact on them. They've been through an awful lot there under the constant gaze of the world's media. They can't really do a whole lot without being pulled up or photographed. Uh, so you, you do wish them the best um, in, in the years ahead for what will be, you know, a, a, a relationship under the gaze of the world's media. Well, I mentioned my mom. I remember her watching uh, The Big Wedding, Diana uh, and Charles. So tell us what will happen with this wedding. It's, I mean, they're not going to, it's not a few minutes and then they go off on their honeymoon. This is a big deal. It's a whole day affair. So break it down a bit for us here, Redmond. It is a big deal. However, it's nowhere near as big a deal as uh, Charles and Diana's wedding was. That was record-breaking. That was mm. enormous. That was St. Paul's Cathedral in the center of London. That was the, 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 the dress was the longest dress ever yeah. in, in royal history. You had huge amount of money it cost. Uh, the Williams wedding uh, in 2011 was also very big, not still not as big, but also very big at Westminster Cathedral in the center of London. Huge ceremony because he is the second in line to the throne, you know, a future king, a huge event. This, by any sense, is a huge wedding, but it is not anywhere near the size of even William's wedding. It's perhaps half the number of guests, but still, you know, 600 people being invited. That's no uh, small wedding by, by any of our standards. Mm. So you will have... The St. George's Chapel here in Windsor, where the wedding will take place at noon, it will take about an hour. They don't have far to go to Windsor Castle for the afternoon reception. However, they will actually proceed over the course of about 45 minutes down through the town and back up the other side of the town in order to give all the thousands of people here the chance to take a look and the, as they go through in a carriage to wave, to see, to give everyone a chance to feel part of it, anyone who can make it here for the wedding. So then you have the afternoon reception, and then they go down to Frogmore House for an evening reception. So by any sense, you know, this is a long, big, drawn-out affair. A lot of people have already arrived, and not to mention the world's media. We are just one of uh, dozens and dozens of uh, media networks who are here in Windsor to cover uh, what is such a such a huge event that so many people are focusing on. A happy story. You yeah. know, we often do these difficult stories that mm-hmm. make world news, but this is a happy one that is making world news. Yeah, it certainly is. Before I let you go, Reben, maybe talk a bit about the impact that Harry and Meghan now may have uh, in Britain and really around the world as a married couple, a prince and princess. Well, they have uh, a huge number of charities that they work with and they, you know, they advocate for, uh, I know that Meghan Markle is a huge advocate for uh, uh, equality, for gender equality. Harry, of course, most known for his work for starting the Invictus Games. Uh, They also work with a number of youth groups, HIV and AIDS, so many different uh, organizations that they work uh, and help uh, with over um, that they have already done so over their lives and will continue to do so now as a royal couple and uh, take 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 that work and try to do good around the world because that's what royals do now. You know, it, it maybe in years gone by, in centuries gone by, by royals just uh, sat in their ivory towers, literally and figuratively. Yeah. But now they they do a lot of work. They they travel a lot. Uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, it sounds like a very glamorous life, and in some ways it is. But in some ways, you know, they have a grueling schedule of events and charities and things to open that they do. And sure, you know, they'll they'll be able to contribute to a lot to that over the coming years. Well, Redmond, thank you very much for doing this, and enjoy covering the wedding. 
I will do. Have a good day. You as well. Thank you very much, Redmond. That is Redmond Shannon. He is our Global News reporter covering the royal wedding. I really do hope they're happy. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I've been through, uh, well, I guess a couple of weddings uh, of my own. Um, Family stuff can be tough, eh? It can really be tough. And when I see uh, Meghan Markle's family, you know, the dad thing, which we talked about with Redmond, and then you got her brothers, and they've been kind of shooting their mouths off, and uh, it just makes things difficult at a time where you hope things just go well and, you know, nice and simple, but it's not always that way. By the way, back to our uh, question. Oh, I was talking to Clay Young yesterday, who is, of course, now hosting weekend mornings here on CJOB, right? I was doing that. Now Clay's doing that, and he has a big day planned for the uh, royal wedding on Saturday here on CJOB. So make sure you you tune in, and I think Clay's going to join. I think we're going to get Clay on the show Fridays to kind of tee up the weekend show. So Clay will join us on Friday. Uh, worst movie, the worst movies uh, you've ever seen. That's my question, 204-780-6868, Hal at cjlb.com. This one's from Wayne. Wayne says, Hal, worst movie I've ever seen, Wayne's World. Really? Hmm. Uh, and it's sort of funny that it's uh, it's from Wayne. Uh, another one here, Emmanuel in Bangkok, about 40 years ago. Did not like it. Jacob says, worst movie, Hal, so many. One of the newer ones, though, has to be Star Wars The Last Jedi. Now, I have not seen that one yet, but I do want to see it. But Jacob says, just could not keep up with the story. Jumped around too much. Worst movie he ever paid to see. Uh, another, Actually, another person saying Star Wars The Last Jedi. And... Uh, Here's another vote. Uh, Brad says, Johnny Mnemonic, Keanu Reeves, worst movie. And Ghost Ship. Ghost Ship is another vote. So 204-780-6868. Hal at CJLB.com. Keep the votes coming in. The worst movie ever paid to go and see. And Jeremy, thank you very much for the photo of your uh, uh, thermometer in uh, Deloraine. Apparently it's 21.5 Celsius in Deloraine. In case you're wondering, here at CJOB, 13 degrees, heading for a high of 22. Let's uh, do the news here. 130 News with TFJ is next. Hal on CJOB. Thank you very much, TFJ. 132. I have set aside the whole half hour for our next guest. Hopefully he can join us. If he can only join us for one segment, that's fine. But I'm hoping he'll stick around for a while because there's always lots to talk with this guy about. Joining us now from his home in Vegas is Brent Fitz, Winnipegger. Brent Fitz now living in Vegas. He kind of bounces all over the place depending on where the work is. But he never, ever forgets about Winnipeg and Manitoba, and uh, Brent, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it, man. I As soon as I knew that we were taking on the Ve- uh, Vegas uh, Golden Knights uh, in this round of the playoffs, I thought, well, I got to get Brent on because, man, you must be torn. Uh, well, first of all, hi, Hal. Hi. Yes, I guess we should say uh, that is, first, yeah. This is the, the careful what you wish for moment that – I think comes back to the start of the season when I knew that there was a team coming to Vegas and I was so excited knowing, well, I'm going to get to see my Winnipeg Jets play in Vegas. So, so many people have been asking me, you know, recently, well, what is your allegiance? Are you torn? And I am a huge Jets fan and I do not want the Knights to win this series, but just know this is that, you know, at least for the, the sheer fact that two 
two teams that I, you know, I am connected to, uh, one of those teams is going to the final. But I don't, I don't want the Knights to win. No way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 you're right because I mean, listen, I, I knew in your heart of hearts you you would want the Jets to win, and you do. But as you just pointed out, if the Jets for some reason don't win, while well, you'll be disappointed as a Jets fan, you're right. You got a team in the final. Well, and let's just um, let's just break the teams down into here's the realities of as a Winnipegger and an ambassador to our wonderful city, as I always am. I'm always quick to bring out the the stats and the Winnipeg stats. So let's just talk about there are two Winnipeggers on the Knights. We have Cody Eakin, yeah. Ryan Reeves, and a draft pick Cody Glass. So that's there are no Winnipeggers on the Winnipeg Jets. Just to make a note about that. That's a good point. Right? Yeah. So, there you go. So um, I'm cheering for Winnipeggers in in general a lot of times. So I'm really happy there's some, some Winnipeggers on on the Knights, but as a team as a whole. And I'm so thankful for True North and Mark Chipman and everybody putting a team back in Winnipeg. And I couldn't be happier right now. I'm just so. I mean, aren't we all happy? Like, what a great time to be a fan of hockey and a Winnipegger and the Jets. And it's crazy. And I'm I'm here in Vegas and I'm dying to get up to the Whiteout. I am going there Sunday. I have been you know, all over the map lately traveling, and I've just been watching games and going, i got to get to Winnipeg during a game. And I was there about uh, a week and a half ago uh, on the last series, and I missed it by a day to get to a game. I went to an event where there were some alumni Jets, Morris Lukowicz, Dave Babich, uh, and others that were in town. And so, you know, if there's any chance for me to do something Winnipeg and, and of course, hockey, especially Jets-related, yeah. I'm there. So. So uh, anyway, I'm excited. I'm going to game tonight, and uh, and uh, it's just it's incredible. I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, listen, if you are around on Monday, if you do come for the game Sunday and you're around, just show up, okay? Just come on down. Bring your buddy from uh, St. James who was with you last time. You can bring a whole entourage if you want. Bring all your Winnipeg friends and uh, come by and, and at least say a quick hi if you're still around on Monday. I would love to, Hal, absolutely. Um, and I'm playing – I'm going to play with the band out at the whiteout. Not only do I want to experience the whiteout, I want to be part of the whiteout. So I can't wait to get off the plane and jump on stage with the band, go see our Jets win at home, and uh, it's going to be great. So um, let's talk a little bit about what you're up to. Uh, Tell us about Took. Tell us about uh, who are you playing with. When you were here last time, you were actually uh, playing with Gene Simmons. What's going on with Brent Fitz these days? Lots. I'm just happy to be working all the time, and uh, my phone, thankfully, has been ringing. I've been in this business now for 30 years, and uh, uh, yeah, Gene Simmons from Kiss. You know, that was a band I loved growing up as a Winnipegger yeah. and a kid in St. James. You know, we all love Kiss in my neighborhood, and yeah. uh, careful what you wish for. Yeah, I've been playing with Gene the last year. Um, so some of my dots that connect to guys like Gene and some of these other artists, Alice Cooper and, and whatnot that I worked with, it all kind of started in Winnipeg and it ended up when I had moved to Los Angeles in the mid-90s, which was a dark time as a Winnipegger because when I moved to L.A. in 96, our Winnipeg Jets had just been moved to Phoenix. It was a tough time, right? right. But, uh, you know, um, I've also been, of course, my other band, Took which is, I call it, the greatest Canadian cover band of Prairie Guys celebrating all the music we grew up on from the 70s and 80s as mm-hmm. musicians, you know, from the prairies. And um, we have some dates coming up in, we're going to play Canada Day up in Vancouver. And uh, Corey Churko, our guitar player, just came through 
he played um, MTS with Shania Twain a couple days ago. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I'm I'm I know he was wearing a Jets jersey on stage. Thank you very much. So I'm I'm glad he was wearing and supporting <laughs> the Jets. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I've just been you know there's there's lots of things going on with me with different artists right now, but. Um, Gene Simmons has been my main gig. And, of course, I've been playing with Slash from Guns N' Roses for the last eight years. We actually just finished a record while in between dates with Gene Simmons, and uh, it's just being mixed and mastered. And I'm going out with Slash again in, in September. So even I have trouble keeping track of what I'm doing. I'll bet. Days. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know you that well, Brent. Kathy Kennedy actually, uh, you know, introduced us. And, and like I said, you were on this show a while ago. And and uh, you're just even over the phone today, when you're in person with you, sitting across the table from you, your excitement and your happiness is infectious. And it's it's working over the phone, too. Even though you're down in Vegas, you got a smile on my face. You just love life. And I, I you love the Jets. You, you love hockey. You love Winnipeg. You're just this kid who gets to play with all these rock stars he grew up listening to. It, it, it's just so fun to be around you, even over the phone. You know, there's something about that Winnipeg ambassador in me, and I think all of us that are lucky enough to be from Winnipeg and then have a chance to go and experience, you know, traveling and working in different countries and with other people. And it's really great that I've, the last you know, at least the last 20 years been traveling steadily around the planet. And I, I run into Winnipeggers around the world. We're always surprised to see each other. And we're always, you know, wow, you're from Winnipeg. And uh, if someone's wearing a jet jersey, that's the ultimate, you know, flag bearing uh, sign. But I think the it's just, it's so great to be from Winnipeg. I can't change that. You know, people say, you know, they're from New York or from LA or from a big city like that. And I know a lot of those people as well. But to be from Winnipeg, we're always the underdog. That's a small place. It's a precious, you know, different type of, to, you know, the fact that I get to play with a lot of my heroes and get to travel and stuff. And to have come from a small town, I'm always thankful because, you know, um, it's just a blessing to be, to, to be able to brag about our Winnipeg town all the time. And I'm always bragging and I, I don't know why I do it, but because I, I think I always feel like um, it's, I, I'm not selling because we're we're selling ourselves short, but I just kind of feel like I'm always pleasantly surprised that the things I learn about my own town that uh, the rest of the world doesn't know. I, um, the other day I was talking about something with somebody, and, and uh, 007 James Bond came up, and uh, um, I knew that Ian Fleming, the writer of those those novels, right. and, uh, and had been inspired by a soldier from Winnipeg. And, you know, how cool is that, that Winnipeg has a connection to all the James Bond history? And what about Winnie the Pooh? you know, being from Winnipeg or all the, the great, you know, actors and, and, uh, and famous musicians and stuff, you know, of course, the guess who, Burton Cummings, and of course, Chris Jericho, who's, you know, massive around the world as a WWE wrestler. And uh, I just love bragging about those people. And some of those people are my friends. And uh, it's just contagious, man. And, and, uh, and great people in entertainment, like radio and stuff, too. Like, I just find, uh, you know, um, in San Francisco, Lamont Hollywood, who's a Winnipegger, is like right. the main voice down in San Francisco. I get so excited to hear those things, like because I know our the path we travel as a Winnipegger to get you know to make sort of a name for yourself in the rest of the world. It, you know, it's uh, it's it's not the easiest path travel. You know, I wasn't born in Los Angeles. You know, a lot of my musicians that I play with, they were born in L.A. It's a lot easier life to get established as a musician. I had to move to L.A. to make 
you know, make some things happen. So I'm yeah. always appreciative, and, and I'm going on and on about Winnipeg, but I am just the most proudest Winnipegger. That's just the way it is. No, I know, and it it comes across, man, and I love it. I, I think it's uh, it, it's just fantastic, your attitude about the city, the province. And I always try and say the city and the province because, uh, you know, there are a lot of people uh, outside the, the perimeter that love this place too, right? And so I always try and say Winnipeg and Manitoba because it's it's more than just the city. It's the city and the province. Well, do, you, do I think prairies, prairie folk, yeah. prairie, like I, I'll put Saskatchewan and a little bit of like, you know, up maybe just to, to about Kenora, um, you know, uh, cottage mentality, people that go to the lake on yeah. the weekends and stuff from that area and the cold weather and uh, landlocked. And it's not Vancouver. It's not Toronto. We're, we're just in the middle there. And there's a lot of, you know, just a different uh, thing that we have that's special. And I'm actually calling you, uh, speaking to you from a studio here in Las Vegas where I work with. And my, my, one of my best friends down here, Kevin Churko, is from Moose Jaw. And he's a, another prairie guy that's, you know, doing really, really well in the music business. And, uh, you know, we all gravitate towards each other because we know what a prairie person is like it's different than vancouver it's different than toronto it's not better it's not worse it's just just relate to different experiences and you know those cold winters they they make you we have we have a different tougher skin than a lot of other people so and here how how messed up is this i live in vegas i live in the desert it's like what is it today 35 it's probably 40 degrees out i don't know but it's (laughs) it's hot (laughs) it's the opposite of what it's yeah yeah crazy no it's great hey uh, can you hang on can you do a second segment Yeah, yeah Yeah, sure. Okay, sure. excellent. 143. We are talking to Brent Fitz. He's down in Vegas and uh, he's torn, but he's still cheering for the Jets. He's hoping the Jets can beat the Vegas Golden Knights tonight in game three and win the series and go on to the Stanley Cup final. Can you believe we are three wins away from being in the Stanley Cup final? In and seven games away. From hoisting the cup. Lord Stanley's Cup. Our Winnipeg Jets. It's crazy. 144. Coming up on quarter to two. Hal Anderson on CJOB. A little toque for you on a Wednesday. Might as well go first and nobody hurts. Celebratory sodas tonight. Joining us on the phone, the man behind that band right there, Took. It is Winnipeg's Brett Fitz. Brent Fitz, and he joins us uh, from his, uh, well, he's actually at a studio down in Vegas. He's taking a break from work, and I really appreciate your time, pal. Um, you're going to actually hop on stage when you're here for the game on Sunday. Tell us about this. Well, I have to experience the whiteout. I've been dying to get up there, yeah. pal, and it just works out perfect. This Sunday um, is, the, is the one. So I'm friends with, of course, everybody involved with the band that has been playing out uh, on the street. And uh, so they gave me a ring and said, hey, if you, if you come up to one of the games, would you, would you be willing to play? And so it's happening. So I can't wait to play Sunday. By the way, I know you were just giving the weather. What's the weather like on Sunday? 
well, that's, you know what? Let me uh, let me do a quick check on the long term and and see. Uh, listen, we're hoping for a little rain because we need it here, man. It is dry, uh, but uh, I think by Sunday it's looking pretty good. I'm going to uh, double check here and, and let you know uh, before we're okay, we're done great. chatting. Hey, so talk about the game tonight. Game three. Uh, it's down there in Vegas. It was a split here. Uh, the Jets just seemed. I think after the excitement of winning that game seven and then boom, right against uh, Vegas so quickly, they had that, uh, you know, adrenaline, that push in the first game. And then in the second game, it just wasn't quite there. What do you think might happen tonight? Well, I think if we look back to the last series against Nashville, which we could maybe say was the best team in the league that the Jets did beat. I went to the game a week and a half ago on the Saturday, and that was the Jets' single-handedly crushing the Preds that night. And that's when I thought, well, here we are in Nashville, and the Jets are proved, have proven that they can win in the opposing building. So I don't actually have any worries about the Jets being here in Vegas and winning games. I just I know that Fleury is dangerous, and whatever happened on that game one, you know, where he, he was a little shaky at the start there. But um, the Jets can win in Vegas here, no problem. I expect them to be winning. And I think, I think we're... I think we're going to be fine. Um, you know, we've already beaten the best team in the league, and and I think it's easy to be a Knights fan. I think it's easy the pressure down here of the Knights. You know, everything is monumental that's been going on for the Knights. So the, the the hype and the momentum here is huge. Yes, yes, yes. But our Jets have that that. There's just a what a our, I love that like our fourth line is on the Jets. Like there's so much depth, and yeah. I think you know everybody's scoring. I, I love that Kyle Connors. You know, been been shining. I love. You know, I love that Line A scored a goal in that first game. Yep. Um, I think Hellebuck has been great. You know, and the Knights are coming on strong. I mean, Marshall is like deadly, and so is Carlson. And uh, of course, Fleury is just so unbelievable as a Stanley Cup winning goalie. But I have full confidence in the Jets, and uh, they're going to. If they don't win both games, they're definitely winning a game here. No, no problem. Yeah. Well, we've definitely, uh, you know, we've had so many great games on the road. If, if anything, I think some Jets fans that have been going to the games here have been a little disappointed because we haven't been playing as well, at least lately, in the last handful of games here at home as as on the road. But it's it's great having a team that you know can come back. They can go into another team's rink and they can win there. It's. Uh, it's fun. As you said, we kind of have that underdog mentality, but yet we've got a great team. There's no underdog. You can't use the word underdog with this team. I mean, they're just phenomenal. Yeah, this is the first time I felt like this is this is Stanley Cup team right there from every line, and uh, every player just has, you know, something really special to add to the team. And, yeah. uh, and it's the best for me as a Jet fan of 40 years, and I know there's many people that have been a lot longer than I, but I, you know, at eight years old, the Jets came from the Avco Cup into the, into the NHL, and I've been a diehard fan ever since. But this feels the best. This feels, I've been through the ups and the downs in the, you know, the 80s and the 90s, but this just feels unbelievable. I'm so happy. And I don't want to say if they don't make it to the Stanley Cup, that I'm okay with it, but I'm so happy that it is at this level at this point. I don't want to jinx it or predict that, you know, they're going to win the Stanley cup, but I really feel confident. Like, why couldn't they, they've already beaten and shown that they can win in, in opposing buildings. And, and, you know, if it goes to a game seven, so be it, it'll be, it'll be the best hockey. Just, you know, instead of a sweep, it'll be, you know, just that much more of a nail biter. My heart, I'm I'm like having heart palpitations daily watching our jets. It's just so awesome. Yeah. By the way, sunny and 24 on Sunday, Brent. 
Okay, that's, that's perfect. What I want to hear for the that's whiteout. That's perfect, Can't man. Wait. Sunny in twenty-four. What is what has it been like for you down there and, and traveling all over the place, watching these whiteout street parties and thousands and thousands of Winnipeg Jets fans on the street outside the rink? As I said yesterday on the show, you couldn't go and, and plop down wads of cash and buy that kind of advertising for this city and this province. Yeah, and it's more about what other people tell me about my, you know, your whiteout looks pretty amazing on TV. Holy, you know, like, and I love hearing what other people's reaction is to it. I already know. I'm already a proud Winnipeg, and I'm like, oh, that's what I would expect. And, you know, the whiteout's not new. It's been around. It's just we finally get to to execute it in playoff time. But the fact that it just kind of like this year kind of turned into an insane event down on Donald Street and all that. I mean, I just, I, I can't wait to see it in, in my, you know, with my own eyes. But yeah, it just, it, I'm like, I love hearing the news, like in Vegas, I'm watching it, just to hear everybody talking about Winnipeg in general on, you know, around, I was just in Indianapolis the other day and all the news reporters were, you know, this Winnipeg team looks great, blah, blah, blah. And, and it just feels so good. So uh, yeah, the whole the whole experience, the whiteout, the Jets in the, in the series is just it's so good for me as a bragging Winnipegger. Well, Brent, we're just about out of time. Thanks very much. Again, no pressure, man, but if you are around Monday and you want to drop by, I'd love to have you in studio for at least a segment just to come by and 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 say hi. And uh, any word on a Tuke show here in Winnipeg uh, anytime soon? Can you give us any details? Are you working on some stuff? Yeah, we're actually looking forward. See, right now, Corey Turco, our guitar player, um, is with Shania Twain on right. tour. And he just came through, you know, on Sunday uh, with Shania. And uh, so we're looking at August. You know, there's that outdoor um, at the Baseball Diamond yes. uh, summer show. We're, we're kind of like looking at maybe doing one of those. So we'll see if it works on the schedule. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully later this summer we'll get we'll get two back in Winnipeg. Excellent. I hope so. Well, listen, a continued success. Again, thanks very much for making time. Go Jets, go. Right, Brent? Go Jets, go. Oh, you know <laughs> it. Thanks, Hal. Everybody right. in Winnipeg, come on. We're, we're, we're taking it to the cup. There you go. Brent Fitz. He is a Winnipeg musician, like, you know, Slash, hangs with Slash, and he's, uh, you know, playing with Gene Simmons, and he's with the band Tuke, of course, which we may see uh, here in Winnipeg later on this summer. And uh, he lives in Vegas, and he likes the, the Golden Knights, but he is a Jets fan through and through it. It was great chatting with him. He is a wonderful ambassador for this city uh, and this province. One fifty-seven Global News at 2. Next. All right, everybody. Talk a little Jets. Now we'll talk a little Bombers, some football. And uh, joining us on the phone now is the legend. And not just in his own mind. This guy is a legend. He is truly a legend. He is the voice of the Bombers, our Hall of Fame broadcaster here at CJOB. Mr. Bob Irving. Good afternoon, Bob. Hey, Hal. How you doing? I'm great. Are you ready for rookie camp? It gets going here this afternoon at IGF. It's kind of, for me, it's kind of the official start of football season, Hal. It's uh, rookie camp for three days, and then yeah. main camp starts on Monday. So, yeah, I'm ready, and I presume the Bombers are, too. Now, maybe explain uh, for people that don't know the difference, uh, what's rookie camp all about compared to main camp? Well, this is a three-day indoctrination as much as anything, Hal, for the rookies in terms of what's expected from them during main camp, which will start on Monday. Uh, you know, they'll be on the field 
today for a couple of hours, tomorrow for a couple of hours, and then Friday for about an hour and a half. And the coaches are looking for whether or not these guys, you know, are physically ready to go, and I assume most of them are, and what their athletic skills are. But as much as that, they want to see if they can learn their system quickly. Mm -hmm. And so it's an introduction, really, to professional football for most of these guys and a chance for the coaches to get a, a look at them. And now some of these guys, a lot of them, hell, were here for the mini camp in April. Right. So this is kind of step two of their education. And it just gives the rookies a, a bit of a, a leg up on the vets when main camp starts on Monday, because the vets will come in here and they all know what's going on. And, you know, they're ready to roll and the rookies will be, wide-eyed and you know kind of wondering what's going on if they haven't had a chance to spend these three days getting up to speed on on the bomber system so really it's as much as anything an education for the rookies as to what to expect when main camp opens on monday and so what will a wily veteran like you be watching for today (laughs) (laughs) well in particular hal I'll be looking at the quarterback position. We all know that now Matt Nichols yeah. does not have a veteran backup. Mm-hmm. And the Bombers have three young guys here. One in particular, I know Chris Streveler, who played at South Dakota. And you're going to hear his name a lot in the in the uh, training camp in preseason because he's a, a player the Bombers have, I won't say high hopes for, but they think he has tremendous potential. Uh, he's a big guy. He's got a good arm. He, you know, he's fast. And so I'll be watching him. I haven't seen any of his film, and so I'll be anxious to get a look at him. Um, and then just that middle linebacker, Kyrie Wilson from Fresno State, who was here last year as a player. I know the Bombers want to see the rookie receivers. They drafted Peterman and Simon Eyes. And then Drew Walatarski, a receiver who was picked in the supplemental draft last year, was here most of last season, but only played a handful of games. I know they are hoping that he'll step up and grab a starting spot. Those are some of the players I'll be watching in particular, Hal. And then you're always looking for somebody to kind of stand out, you know, and jump up and grab your attention. And there's always a few of those. Sure. Hey, and now that Darian Durant's no longer in the picture and the Bombers don't really have that uh, solid veteran uh, backup to Matt Nichols, there's been some talk that, well, maybe this is uh, the route the Bombers should be going. And anyhow, uh, you know, uh, take some young guy and, and develop him. Have the Bombers ever really had much luck with that over the years, Bob? No. Yeah. Uh, to put it to put it mildly, Hal, <laughs> no. Uh, that, that's been an issue, I think, for the franchise. Even Kahari Jones, and you go back to his great days here uh, over 10 years ago, he was acquired in trade from the BC Lions. And so the Bombers have really had a tough time developing their own quarterback and Mm. you know to me that hasn't been you know i don't it doesn't matter where you get them as long as you get a good one i mean edmonton is mike edmonton is mike riley they acquired him as a free agent from bc uh ricky ray is in toronto won a great cup last year well he was in edmonton before zach calaris will quarterback saskatchewan this year well he was in hamilton last year so i've never put a great deal of stock into that i think the key thing is you need to have a good quarterback. It doesn't matter where you get them. Now, having said that, it would be great if one of these young guys that the Bombers have behind Matt Nichols would develop into a, you know, a frontline guy who down the road when Matt's, uh, you know, Matt's not able to do it anymore, could step in and, and do the job. That would be wonderful. And for this season, Hal, one of these young guys, 
you know, if he's called upon, boy, the Bombers are going to have to count on him. So yeah. his training camp is going to be critically important to to determine if one of these uh, new quarterbacks, these young quarterbacks, can, in fact, do the job. Yeah, and you mentioned the importance of middle linebacker. Obviously, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on, on that position uh, because the Bombers uh, definitely uh, need to find uh, some good players there. And then uh, we're very close to our first preseason game. The Eskimos will be here on Friday, June 1st. Then we go to BC on June 8th, the following Friday. Preseason doesn't matter still, right, Bob? No, the outcome of the games don't matter at all, Hal. Uh, you know, I can give you, I've said this every year, I can give you a list of teams that went 2-0 and or 4-0 and in the preseason back when they played four games and then did nothing in the regular season and vice versa. But what the games are for is to evaluate and to try to develop a little bit of chemistry and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, hey, the game that matters now is... June 14, when yeah. Edmonton rolls in here for the season opener. But those preseason games are important for their purpose, and their purpose is to evaluate. Mm-hmm. And what kind of a bomber squad are we going to see this year based on uh, you know what happened during the offseason and where we ended up last year? I'm thinking we should have another good year. I don't see why not, Hal. You know, 11 wins two years ago, 12 wins at a home playoff game last year, and I know the fans, the frustration over – not having won a great cup is still for a long time is still there, but this team uh, looks good on paper. It looked good on the field the last two years. The core of it is back. There's every reason to expect a good season, and uh, that's exactly what I'm expecting. And, Bob, before I let you go, what do you think? Jets and Golden Knights, game three tonight in Vegas. Game two is not great for us. Well, Vegas got off to a good start the other night, Hal, and then, you know, for the rest of the game, it was fairly evenly played, and I thought the Jets had lots of chances. They just couldn't beat uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, I expect them to play well tonight. I tweeted after the game the other night. I I said I think maybe my theory was that the Jets, that grinding series with uh, Nashville had caught up to them a bit, and they they were just a little bit not as sharp as they were earlier because of the fatigue factor, and Vegas had had five or six days off. Not an excuse, just kind of a way that I viewed it. Uh, I expect the Jets to be energized again tonight. I still think they're going to win the series, but you have to give Vegas credit. Boy, they played well the other night. They they showed their speed and skill and all the rest of it, and uh, they're not going to go down without a fight. But I still like the Jets' chances. I like them a lot. All right, Bob, you mentioned your Twitter account. I got it open right in front of me right now. At Bob Irving, C-J-O-B. You should be following Bob Irving. At Bob Irving, C-J-O-B. Uh, Bob's got some great uh, action on Twitter. And, Bob, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. No problem, Hal. And I'll be tweeting all through Bomber Camp, of course. Excellent. Bob Irving, C-J-O-B. You can find Bob on Twitter. Thank you, sir. Enjoy today. Okay, Hal, thanks. All right, we're going to take a quick break. 2-12 at C-J-O-B. When we come back, we're going to find out what the heck pedal in the peg is. Hal on C-J-O-B. All right, uh, before we chat about uh, Pedal in the Peg with uh, Global News reporter Christian O'Mell, uh, Bob Irving a couple times mentioned that uh, Bomber Main Camp starts on Monday. No, it's Sunday. Uh, and I didn't catch it when Bob said it either. So bomb, and basically it's rookie camp today, tomorrow, Friday. Medicals on Saturday. Main Camp starts on Sunday, not Monday, like Bob said. Uh, Christian O'Mell, what is Pedal in the Peg, sir? Well, Hal Anderson, Pedal in the Peg is a new bike-sharing program that's been instituted by downtown Winnipeg Biz with some financial help from the city of Winnipeg. So 
They did a pilot program last year with three hotels downtown, Alt, Delta, Holiday Inn, and they found ah, it went pretty well. So mm. about 10 people a week were using these bikes, 200 over the course of the summer. The idea being you come in for a convention or a weekend business trip, you want to maybe do some exploring, you got a couple hours to kill, yep. you go to the lobby, you rent a bike, 15 bucks for half a day or whatever it is, and... You go around, you bring it back, you go on your way. Hmm. So it's a new way in that regard for people to explore the city if they're visiting. But there's also an added incentive for people that live here to grab a bike. Because at City Hall and at the downtown Winnipeg Biz office, it will not cost you anything. The hotel checkouts, those are for a fee. These ones are not. So you show up, they'll take a copy of your ID They'll take a deposit on your credit card, much like they do at a hotel. They'll authorize a charge, but they won't actually charge it. Right. And then once you bring the bike back, they'll clear it. Hmm. So it will, I guess the idea is to try to get more people out and on a bike in downtown Winnipeg. Yeah. So five locations in total downtown. And the idea over the long haul is to see how this goes and maybe someday extend it across the rest of the city. And this, we see this in uh, maybe not this exact model, but we see these bike rentals or these types of things in other bigger cities. Absolutely. You go to any bigger city and you'll see these all over the place. There is a problem in some cities where there's too many of them and Mm. people just leave them, Mm. which is a problem. But the idea is in other cities, they're locked up. You put money in. And you ride it to whatever other location that they've got these little... Drop it there. You drop it there. This is a little bit different. It's a little more low-key. You have to bring it back to the place you got it from. Mm -hmm. There's only 22 bikes. I I got to just pedal one around earlier today. I'm too tall. You're a a bike guy. You're a big... By the way, where's the bike helmet? You told me before the show that you were going to wear the bike helmet for this segment. Well... I left it in the newsroom. I'm sorry, Hal. It's hard to put the headphones over the helmet anyway. I guess, yeah. No, I, I do bike to work as much as I can if yeah. I don't have something going on after work or it's not too crummy out. Mm. So today, my bike is locked yeah. downstairs. Yeah. So it's ready to ready to ride in about 20 minutes. Yeah. I, I realize this is more for people that are in town visiting, but as I said to you before we started here, uh, before the mics went on, I, I, it might be another reason that people might go, hey, yeah, let's head downtown, get a bike, and do a bit of spinning around. I guess, because uh, the Exchange District, you could do that. There's more bike lanes around yeah. those areas. There, You'll always hear people complaining that biking isn't safe, mm. that there aren't enough bike lanes, and that's True. Mayor Brian Bowman has said they're working on year by year more and more money being spent on expanding the active transportation network in this city. The goal someday is so you can bike anywhere Mm. in this city. That doesn't exist right now. Or you'll have to share the road with cars. And some people are not as comfortable doing that. Downtown, you stay away from Portage. You can probably get away with bike lanes in most spots. And I talked to Stefano Grande. One thing he said was... There are some companies that just have bikes already in their office, a couple of them. So if you want a bike from your office to a meeting, Mm. it's five minutes away. You don't want to drive. You don't quite have enough time to walk. You get out a bike. Mm. Or you just want to stretch the legs for 20 minutes. You've got some time to kill. It's a nice day. You go for a bike. So that's another reason why this could work. I don't know if you'll see people going downtown just to bike. I feel like they're going to be in a situation like me. If they want to bike, they have a bike. Right. And then they will bike. Mm. But I think for people that work downtown or maybe live in a high-rise downtown and don't have a bike, 
this could be an opportunity if they live close to City Hall or the yeah. downtown biz office to grab a bike and go for a rip. Sure. Yeah. Did you have any clips you wanted to play? Or, oh, uh, yeah. Let's hear what Brian Bowman has to think about. Sure. Biking. Mayor Bowman. We're trying to catch up to other major cities with our active transportation strategies, uh, as well as our, our action plans, which we're implementing each year. One of the one of the few areas in our budget where we've really increased, uh, you know, a significant amount in the last couple of years for active transportation. And this is just one more option for visitors, but also for residents uh, to, uh, to to jump on one of these free bikes and uh, and give them a spin, uh, you know, around City Hall. It's um, it's a great way to, to get around, get some exercise. You big bike guy, Hal? You know, I used to be. Bikes and I don't really get along no. right now. No, no. We're, we're, we don't really, not terribly good friends. Okay. Um, but no, back to my point, and the mayor just made it there uh, as well. Uh, you know, it would be real easy to say, well, you know, it's not that many bikes. How many people are actually going to come down? But these are the things that we need to do. Right. If we're going to sit here and say, hey, we want you to take different ways around, right? Leave your car at home and, and take the bus. Well, then we got to have a decent bus service. Or, you know, we yeah. want you to ride your bike. we got to have bike paths. And we got to have bikes. People, Not everybody has a bike. So this is the stuff yeah. we need to do. It's, it's little tiny things, but it's all part of the big picture. And in a different clip, he said, you know, this is something that Winnipeggers would expect a modern city to have. Right. We're playing catch-up, and we don't like to think that, but in a lot of ways, we are in this city, Mm -hmm. and something like this is just... It's a little thing. It starts off with 22 bikes. It's $1,750 for the city. Yeah. That's nothing. No. And it's something little that could grow to something bigger. Yeah. And if you want to just say no to everything and poo-poo everything, well, well then where are we going to go? And that's my point. Sometimes we get in that rut, you know, where we do a lot of that, and I think it's important. That, even if you know, we don't, I'm not going to use it, right. or you're not going to use it, there are a lot of people that might just go check it out even if they use it once. It's worth exactly. it, right? Yeah, and listen, bikes aren't... Bikes are not cheap like they used to be. They you can know? be. They can be, but they're not for the right. most part. And there are families out there that might go, hey, let's go and do this, right? right. We don't have bikes, and I got two kids. And and know. I should mention, when you do rent one, it comes with a helmet, it comes with a lock, it comes with a cycling map and lights, so you're fully equipped to go. Okay, good. Pedal on the pig. Thank you very much. Christian okay. O'Mell, Global News reporter Christian O'Mell. Uh, by the way, before you go, do you have a, a worst movie ever? Worst movie you ever paid to go and see? The Grudge 2. The Grudge 2. Terrible movie. It's usually a sequel, eh? Or it seems like it's usually a sequel. That was my question today. Probably mine, and I'll tell Somebody said every Adam Sandler movie ever made. Oh, oh, that's my boy. Adam Sandler and Andy Samberg was horrible. Well, the one that I will never get that two hours back ever is Jack and Jill, yeah, where, where he played like his own that. sister. Oh, Didn't was, they make a sequel to that? I hope not. I think no, they did. I don't, no? I don't think so. Oh. And he's got a new one on Netflix, right? right? Him and Chris Rock and some of these guys have signed these massive Netflix deals, right? Where they yep. got to make, I don't know, eight movies, but they're getting paid, you know, $150 million. And it's called, what was it? It just came out on Netflix. I know. It, it, and we watched it the other night. They're opposing fathers of yes. kids that are getting married. Yes. And, and we just watched it the other night. Again, another two hours courtesy of uh, Adam Sandler and you're not that I, them back. I will never, ever get back. No. All right. Anyhow, that's our question 204 780 6868. Hal at cjob.com. The worst movie you ever paid to go. And C, let me see if I can uh, squeeze a couple of your uh, text messages in here before we have to break for the news at uh, 2.30 because you did uh, fire off uh, quite a few here. Let me just uh, get to them. Mm. Uh, Killdozer. Hmm, Never heard of that one. 
back in the 70s, hell, Chuck Norris movie. I believe it was his first, Peter. Those Chuck Norris movies, I, I, I hear you. Open Water, somebody else is saying. Terrible. Shirley says, just yesterday, they walked out of the new one, Isle of Dogs. So, there you go. Uh, Zoolander. Oh, Craig says Zoolander. Let me tell you, Zoolander is one of those ones, it is a great movie or a good movie. You just got to try, you got to dig hard to find the goodness, I think, maybe is is the way to describe that. Anyhow, keep them coming. 204-780-6868. Hal at CJOB.com. The news here at 2.30. And then one of the world's leading researchers into MS. He's from Ottawa. Dr. Mark Friedman will talk to him in Bulgaria after the news. Thank you very much, Tristan. Tristan Field-Jones back at the top of the clock, 3 o'clock with the news. Sports coming up at uh, 325. By the way, speaking of sports, we've been talking about uh, Bomber rookie camp and main camp and uh, preseason games coming up in a couple of weeks. We've been talking a bit of hockey, Jets and Golden Knights tonight. Uh, Brandon is having a viewing party tonight for the Jets and uh, Golden Knights. Five to seven, they've got a family skate, pregame at seven, and then game time at eight. It's happening at the West Toba place out in Brandon tonight and again on Friday. So uh, not just those uh, viewing parties here. They're happening all over the place. Jets fans right across the province. One of the world's leading MS researchers is Dr. Mark Friedman, and uh, he joins us on the phone now. He is from Ottawa. Good afternoon, Dr. Friedman. Good afternoon, Hal. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm talking to you in Bulgaria. Why are you in Bulgaria? Uh, I am actually uh, here as a guest of the Bulgarian Neurology Society, which is meeting over the next three days. And uh, they've invited me to talk about uh, stem cells. Excellent. Fantastic. Stem cell treatments for multiple sclerosis. Yeah, well, and that's yeah. what I want to talk to you about as well. I want to talk to you about MS. Uh, let me kind of uh, go back a bit before we get to where I really want to go here. Um, MS, why is there so much MS in Canada? Well, there's a good question. Uh, we have a very high uh, incidence of it, but I think that if you start looking at the geographical patterns of MS, it tends to be in uh, rather temperate climates, uh, so northern Europe and, and Canada being northern part of North America uh, do have uh, high incidences of it. We also um, believe that a lot of it has stemmed from the Scandinavian population where the earliest reports of MS can be found in the literature. And uh, let's face it, Scandinavians, when they when their their diaspora is is followed, uh, they they don't move to Jamaica. They go to climates similar to their own. And mm-hmm. we actually have quite a bit of a, a Scandinavian population in Canada. And one of the highest instances is actually out in Winnipeg, uh, where there's a large uh, Icelandic population. So right. if there's genetic susceptibility, it seems to be coming from that type of population. We are certainly getting better at treating MS. I'm not exactly sure what the numbers are, but I know we're quite a bit better at treating it now, but uh, still no cure. Maybe talk about the treatment of MS and where we're at now with that, and then we'll get to the possible cure. Yeah, well, I think 
what we're doing is being able to identify MS at the earliest stage in the last rendition of our new diagnostic criteria, I think even moved it earlier. So with confidence, we're, we're giving a diagnosis. We're very leery about giving a diagnosis where it doesn't fit. And there are many reasons for that. I think once someone is, is diagnosed with MS, it's, it's really hard to rip that label off their forehead and everyone's minds just stop and, and they stop thinking about the other kinds of things that can present like MS. And that's one of the main reasons why medications don't work is that you're treating the wrong condition. Mm. So uh, our diagnostic criteria are improving. And at, the, at a very early stage, we're able to identify people who um, have, have a very high accuracy of having the disease. So once you have it and you've identified it, we know that the earlier you treat MS with the therapies that we have, the better the outcome. And, and we just saw a study, a very important study in children with MS, showing that the same medication that's been used for years in adults given to children is actually doubly effective in the children's because you're getting at the disease at a very early stage. So with an effective therapy and an early diagnosis, I think we are very good at controlling the disease. And if we have to, we're very good at eliminating the inflammation that can lead to this buildup of damage that ultimately um, uh, gives rise to this progressive nature of the, of the condition that everyone is so familiar with. You know, these diseases, uh, listen, they're all tough to cure, obviously. Uh, why it seems, uh, you know, as a layman here, it seems like this is an even tougher nut to crack. Well, it's an autoimmune disease. So what happens is your immune system is there to defend the body. And when it is invaded by an organism, maybe one that it hasn't seen like a virus, uh, it learns. And, and every time um, that virus comes back, our immune system draws upon its memory and hopefully eliminates the virus the next time around before it causes any symptoms. That's, that's how we've evolved over the years. Um, when the immune system falsely or incorrectly goes against a part of the body thinking for whatever reason it is foreign, and one of the leading theories is that there are little snippets of protein that are embedded in, in, the, in the area of the target. So in the case of multiple sclerosis, it would be the lining of the, or the insulation of the wires of the central nervous system. There's a little protein embedded in there as part of myelin, which may have a very strong resemblance to, say, a virus. And so if, even though the, this is how our, our uh, virus software works on our computer, right? I mean, the, the, they, they look for little snippets of code that are unique to that particular virus and can identify it really quickly. And then you know you've, you've got an infected computer. Well, our immune system kind of does the same thing. It looks for little snippets of, of uh, protein, and it may have that identical sequence to a virus. So now the immune system thinks, for whatever reason, myelin is really the virus, and as long as it keeps seeing myelin, of course, it's going to see it because it's part of our body, mm. um, it will mount an attack against it. So almost every, chronic, uh, almost every autoimmune disease like MS is chronic because the immune system carries the memory. So whether it's MS or rheumatoid arthritis or insulin-dependent diabetes or, or thyroid disease or Crohn's disease, or there's, you know, every organ part of our body is a target for the immune system. And so that's why it's very hard to lick it. You mentioned you're in Bulgaria to talk stem cells. 
talk about a possible cure here. What's our best hope? Is there a timeline or uh, could we go many, many more years before there's a cure uh, to MS? So actually, I'm here to talk about something called mesenchymal stem cells. So I'm just going to back up a little bit yeah, explain. And, and follow through on what we were just talking about on, on trying to um, negate what the immune system is, is thinking it's doing right, but it's actually doing wrong. So because the immune system learns and learns every time it attacks and carries memory for the next attack, it's really hard to keep up with the disease. That's why viruses keep changing every year, and that's why we need new vaccines every year, because the viruses keep changing, our immune system has to keep changing. The only way to get rid of this disease in some people would be simply to eliminate or remove immunological memory. And that's where our bone marrow transplant um, study showed that if we can successfully replace, re- remove, completely remove the old immune system or replace it with a brand new one that doesn't have the memory for MS, then we've been able to show that the disease stops and the immune system no longer attacks the brain. And uh, this type of replacement therapy would not be possible without the use of bone marrow-derived stem cells to rebuild the immune system. So I think that in that sense, we're able to, let's say, cure it in the sense that we are now stopping all new disease activity. But what happens to the damage that has already occurred and built up to the time when we start this treatment? Right. Well, in some cases, if you got it early enough, the body's own immune system is very effective at actually reversing that and and, uh, uh, healing it. I think it's akin to trying to build a road through, you know, a, a bombed out uh, country where the war is ongoing. You're, you're, you're never going to, no sooner do you finish the road that it gets bombed out again, you're just never going to be able to build the road. You can't repair a nervous system that's under attack. So if you can stop the attack, repair can be very good. Now, in some cases, it, it doesn't. What else can you do? And this is where we're exploring these new stem cells called mesenchymal stem cells. They're also derived from bone marrow, but can be derived from many other tissues of the body. You have to grow them to a certain level, and that requires a tissue culture, specialized tissue culture lab, like we have in Ottawa or they have in Winnipeg, where we're doing this study together. Uh, And after about two or three weeks, you've generated enough cells that you can put them into people. And what we've seen, at least from other studies in in, um, animals uh, and in a few early studies in humans, these cells may carry the capacity to repair. Now, either they're doing it directly or they're somehow operating on our body's own internal repair system and getting them woken up and getting them to the, to the tissues that are damaged to repair them. And, and some of the work that we've been doing in Ottawa is to repair hearts. And now there's a new study using the same kinds of uh, mesenchymal cells to, to try to deal with stroke. Uh, and we've completed our study now in multiple sclerosis. We haven't exposed the data yet. We hope to look at that later this year and see whether there is, in fact, any benefit um, to, to growing these cells and, and giving them back to people because they are quite tedious. But this would be a first in trying to reverse damage that had accumulated.
Interesting. Well, I really look forward to seeing that data uh, on this. Uh, as you know, uh, MS is of interest to a lot of people out there, people suffering with the disease, uh, but it affects everybody, family and, and friends, as you know. Uh, doctor, I really appreciate this opportunity uh, to chat with you today about this. Before I let you go, anything else you wanted to get out there uh, before I let you go? Well, yeah, I just, uh, I really, I'm glad we talked about the both types of stem cells, because still people are confusing the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the stem cells that are used for replacement of the immune system, the bone marrow transplant, right. that's a very different type of, uh, um, sorry, uh, that's a different type of, uh, uh, of stem cell than what we're using to try to repair, which is the mesenchymal stem cell. Mm-hmm. So uh, they are two completely different ideas. Mesenchymal cells do not require chemotherapy, do not require you to uh, remove an old immune system. It's simply looking at can we fix damage that has already occurred, whereas the full-on bone marrow transplant, of course, requires chemo because you have to remove the old immune system, and then you use stem cells to replace it. Those are the two separate entities. Yeah, but you're optimistic, though, that there may be some hope in the future for MS sufferers. Oh, I think we're we're more than optimistic. We've we've accomplished quite a bit in the last ten years alone, mm-hmm. and and uh, it's been key to uh, advancing our knowledge and showing us that um, going into into patients with with uh, these ideas um, are 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 bearing fruit. And uh, we can only go so far with the animals before we actually have to do the human experiment. And kudos to all those patients who have helped us and participated. Well, keep up the good work, Dr. Friedman. And again, I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you so much. That is uh, Dr. Mark Friedman from Ottawa in Bulgaria. Hate when you're live on the radio across the world and your cell phone goes off. Now, uh, was that uh, the Pink Panther? What is Jeff Forche, producer of the show? What, what was that, by the way? Was it the Pink Panther or was it uh, James Bond? Oh, it was James Bond. Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, important MS researcher, and the phone goes off with the James Bond thing like that. That's Absolutely. weird. <laughs> I hope I didn't uh, keep him from a very important phone call. Anyhow, um, obviously, MS is huge and affects so many people in this part of the world uh, here in, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, in Canada. It was great having Dr. Mark Friedman on today. we got to take a break. 2.45, quarter to 3.00. We're going to come back and give you a chance to win. I've got a good, tough trivia question lined up. Hal on CJOB. All right, tough trivia time, 2.51. we got the news coming up at 3 o'clock here with Tristan Field-Jones. If you can answer the tough trivia question correctly, you will win Cirque du Soleil Crystal Tickets. That show's happening October 3rd to 7th at Bell MTS Place. And we'll toss in some Santa Lucia pizza for you as well. But again, you've got to be able to answer our tough trivia question correctly. All right? Here is the question. Women tend to suffer from this less often when they're pregnant. What is it? Women tend to suffer from this less often when they're pregnant. This doesn't happen as often with women when they're pregnant. And the word suffer is used in the question. Women tend to suffer from this less often when they're pregnant. So I guess it's something you don't really want to happen. If I'm reading into the question a bit here for you. 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Cirque du Soleil crystal tickets 
in Santa Lucia Pizza. Let's go to the phone. Hi, have you got a correct uh, answer? Yeah, is it headaches? Not headaches. No, good guess, though. Not headaches. Hi, CJOB. Hi, I'm going to say depression. Not depression. No. Thank you for your answer. 204-780-6868. Hi. Hi there. Have you got a guess? Nausea. Nausea. Not nausea. No. Hi, CJOB. Headaches? Not headaches. We had that guess already. Hi, CJOB. Men begging? <laughs> no, not men begging. Hello, CJOB. How about uh, anxiety? Not anxiety. No. Again, the question. Women tend to suffer from this less often when they are pregnant. What is it? 204 780 6868. Cirque du Soleil Crystal Tickets and Santa Lucia Pizza up for grabs. Hi. 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 I'm calling about uh, woman, uh, the question there on CJOB. Yes. And what is your answer? My answer is bronchial asthma. Wow. Where did that come from? Not the correct answer, though. Sorry. No, no not I... not, uh, no, not the answer we're looking for. Now, maybe that's the case, but not the answer that is here in front of me. Not the answer we're looking for. I felt the debate coming on there. Hi, CJOB. Hi, is it allergies? Not allergies, no. Obviously, it's something that when it happens, you're not crazy about it because the, women, the question says women tend to suffer less from this when they are pregnant. What would it be? Hi, have you got a guess? Menstrual cramps. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, not uh, not menstrual cramps. I see JLB. Uh, how about hangovers? Hangovers. No, not hangovers. I feel like we're moving all around the human body here today, this afternoon. Hi, CJOB. Uh, period cramps? No, not that. Uh, I better give a hint here because we got less than two minutes before I get a break for the news here. Um, when you get this... You, there's all kinds of different things you, you can do to uh, try and, and get rid of them. Uh, for example, uh, drink water. Drinking water sometimes will get rid of, of this. Women tend oh. to suffer from this less often when they are pregnant. What's the answer? Do you know? Hmm? Uh, leg cramps. Not leg cramps, no. Drinking water. Hi, CGOB. That's one of the uh, cures for this. Hi. Hi. Get a guess? Heartburn. Not heartburn. No. ICJOB. How about hiccups, Al? Hiccups. Yep. Hiccups. Interesting. Yes. Women tend to suffer less from hiccups when they are pregnant. What is your name? Art. Just like the stuff on the wall. Just like the stuff on the wall. I was going to say that, actually. Art. Like that stuff on the wall. Art, you have got tickets to go see Cirque du Soleil Crystal, and you're also getting some Santa Lucia pizza as well. Fantastic. Excellent. Art, you hang on. I'll put you on hold. Jeff Fortier will talk to you off the air. We'll get you all signed up uh, for those uh, tickets. Again, you're going to see uh, Cirque du Soleil Crystal October 3rd to 7th at Bell MTS Place, and we'll toss in some Santa Lucia pizza for you as well. All right. We got the news coming up here at 3 o'clock in a few minutes after 3 o'clock. We're going to get into this Laurel Yanni debate. One of our uh, global news reporters down at Foxhall has talked to a linguist here about uh, the, uh, this is like the dress on the internet. What color is it? Blue or tan? Only this is, you listen, some people hear Laurel, some people hear Yanni. So we'll talk about that and... 
Global News reporter Brittany Greenslade live from Vegas as we get ready for the Jets and Golden Knights tonight. Absolutely. Yep, 204-780-6868. Text or call that. You can also email me. My inbox is always open. Hal at cjob.com. So uh, we were all sort of uh, chatting this morning. Thank God Burton Cummings is fine after this uh, car crash down in L.A. But we were all sort of saying, gee, I wonder if they were talking to him about uh, singing a national anthem at one of the Jets games or if this was maybe Burton's way of saying, I might be interested in singing if you guys want me. Well, apparently, True North Sports and Entertainment uh, says they were engaged in initial discussions with Burton Cummings management about the possibility of a performance if the Winnipeg Jets advanced to the Stanley Cup final. And uh, True North goes on to say, we wish Burton a speedy recovery and regret he will not be able to take part in our whiteout festivities. I'll just throw this out for an idea because we got Diana Foxhall standing by here and I want to talk to her about this Laurel Yanny thing. By the way, this is Yanny. Jeff Forche, the producer of the show, is scrambling to find Yanny. I said, just play anything. No one will know. No one's going to know if it's Yanny or not, right, Jeff? I mean, just play it. I know. I, I said, I don't know much uh, Yanny, yeah, but... Well, uh, here you go. This well, is Yanni. So we'll get to the Yanni Laurel thing in a second. And I love Stacey uh, Natras. Uh, she's fantastic. Um, singing our national anthem. But we have such great musical talent here in Winnipeg and in Manitoba. I kind of hope that when we get to the final, because we're going to get to the final, we will get past the Las Vegas Golden Knights. When we get to the final, I kind of hope they do mix it up a bit and let's show off some other talent. No offense to uh, Ms. Natris, but I think that that would be kind of cool if we did that. And she does a great, and my mom, by the way, who is now watching Jets games, right? My mom in Southern Alberta. She says, uh, I actually think she's, I think she's running a bit of a betting pool in her senior's home. I think that's, <laughs> Dan Fossil's laughing. I think that's what my mother is doing. That. She's got the, the games on and I think she's taking bets from all these old people with a bunch of money out there. But uh, anyhow, my mom says, oh my gosh, she's such a good singer. And she's a great singer. I just think maybe we should throw, you know, some Winnipeg and Manitoba talent out there with the rest of the world watching. All right, Laurel Yanni. We just heard the story in the news. Here's what's funny, and, you, and nobody knows this, and I'll tell this. Uh, we were talking off air while Christian was, uh, uh, Tristan was doing the news. And I played the clip, and you went, Yanni. And then I played the same clip again, you went, Laurel. So you don't even know. I don't, and that's the thing. I was, I've been convinced. That was the only time that I have actually heard Yanni, except with the pitch change. So I'm going to play the clip again yeah. for everyone to hear, okay. but... Uh, this is a very dividing clip right now. Yep. Pe- people are hearing one thing. People are hearing another. So let's right. have. And, and as you listen to this, what are you hearing? <laughs> are you hearing Yanni or are you hearing Laurel? Make note of it. Okay. Laurel. 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 So to me, that is 100% Yanny. Laurel. <laughs> It's ridiculous. It is just ridiculous. No, so this is tricky. This has um, got people just split up completely. This uh, is like the dress on the internet. Is it blue it is. or is it white or whatever the colors of the dress were? And you just in your piece in the news said, obviously, the dress was white. And as I told you, I think for me, it was blue. So I, I would be interested to see how people compare if like the people who um, said the dress is white and gold, what they think of this, because from what I've the very small number of people I've mentioned this to, yeah. both you and Austin Siragusa are both on Team Yanni, ah. but you also both think the dress was blue and black. Hmm. And I think 
it's laurel, and I think it's white and gold. It, it, Which so is you, weird. So you but that's went my in, very small test pool of that, two That's subjects. interesting. You went in search of an answer today on this. Why? Why is this? Uh, and it, it, listen, we're all wired differently, so that has to be. Well, you tell me what you found out. Yeah, I went to the University of Manitoba to speak to Dr. Nicole Rosen of the Linguistics Department. And she says she hears Laurel, but it really depends on a lot of things. Uh, well, it uh, really has to do with the different frequencies um, that we're hearing. And so um, there was some thought that peop- somebody had manipulated the sound, actually, so that there are two different sounds on top of each other. And it was really de- dependent on what you heard. Did, did your, Were you hearing the higher frequencies better or the lower frequencies? And that could have to do with your hearing, or it could also have to do with what you were listening to it on, like good headphones, bad headphones, a, a phone, uh, that kind of thing. And that probably does have mostly uh, what, what to do with it. But um, except that it seems that it's not actually um, anyone that put something together. It's actually just from the, the online dictionary. But it had been... Um, synthesized. So it seems like it's a problem in the synthesis that was done. And so um, they didn't quite get it right, like a human, basically. Uh, And so there are two different shapes of formants, which give us different sounds based on how we perceive them. So as she says, there's kind of a number of things that lead to us hearing one way or another. So what you're listening to the soundbite on, whether it's a really tinny recording, say from a phone, if it's from um, just a better speaker, you have Mm -hmm. great headphones, how your hearing is in general, and then the pitch. So for me, the biggest difference I found is when you alter the pitch, you can get some different results. So when the pitch is lower, I hear Yanny. When it's higher, I hear Laurel. And when it's at its normal pitch, I also hear Laurel. So I'm just going to play the lower lower pitch and see how... You think that one is? All right. Yanny. Yanny. So that was 30% down in pitch. And, and what did I say it was before? What did I, I say? I you forget. said it was, I forget this too. Is, this this is, is so confusing. It's Okay, so I heard Yanny for this. Play this, it again? Yanny. This is pitch down 30%. Yanny. Yeah, I hear Yanny. Yanny. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go bo- boost the pitch up quite a bit. So this is 40% above normal. Laurel. Laurel, yeah. Laurel. I'm hearing Laurel. Yeah, so I hear Laurel too, and that one sounds but really. Isn't that kind that of cheating? When, isn't that kind of cheating when you're playing with the pitch, though? I mean, with the dress, you looked at the same picture. The same people looked at the same picture of the dress, and some saw one color, and some saw another. Whereas this, well, okay, you're mixing, you're you're you know moving the pitch up and down. Well, sure, it's going to sound different. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, we were both consistent on saying the lower pitch definitely Yanni, higher pitch yeah. definitely Laurel. It's just I think where does that threshold? Mm. Um, the threshold is going to vary for people. So yeah. some people will, when it's just at its normal level, will hear the Laurel. Some will hear the mm. Yanni. So that's kind of I guess where the differences yeah. occur. Have you got one more clip because we got to get Brittany Greenslade on in a few minutes here from Vegas. So I don't want to miss yeah, out on that. Absolutely. So play one more clip for us here. Yeah. Uh, Diane. So. Obviously, there's no right answer to this. And then Dr. Rosen says that's kind of not the point. It's interesting to find that we mm. are different in this way. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's a right way to hear it because I, I think the whole point is that you can hear different things de- depending on different frequencies. I mean, if you have very um, good quality headphones and or very good quality speakers, um, that's probably the best way to hear it. And some people have been able to force themselves to hear, like to pay attention to the different uh, frequencies. And, and then they say if they... You know, at first it was just Laurel, then they really paid attention, and now all they can get is Yanni, and they can't get Laurel back. So I, I'm not sure if there's a, like a best 
it's really just interesting how our ear perceives things and, and picks out parts of the signal that it recognizes because they're both actually in there. It's just that we're only picking out what we what we happen to you know piece together. Well, it's interesting stuff. It yeah, is. It yeah. absolutely is. It's fascinating, and I mean, it's kind of causing a bit of debate, so I'm sure this will be a topic at dinner tonight. Absolutely, yes. And funny, you know, the first two text messages that came in after we started this, the first person, capital letters, absolutely, Yanni. No. And then Wesley was the next person in with a text message, Hal, obviously Laurel. What's the con- <laughs> What's the con- What's the discussion about? Oh, that so is the thing. that is very funny. Anyhow, thank you, Dana. Appreciate you going and, and getting answers for us, or trying to find the answer. But uh, Laurel Yanni, try if it's all over the internet. Find it and try it on your your family and friends tonight. I think it'll be a, a big debate at many dinner tables tonight. Three fifteen. Quick break, and then we're back with Brittany Greenslade in Vegas. Stay tuned. All right. Uh, we're short on time. We went too long on that Laurel Yanny thing. So let's uh, get to Global News reporter Brittany Greenslate, who has another great assignment. She is live in Las Vegas where Game 3 goes tonight between the Jets and the Golden Knights. Hello, Brittany. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you very much for doing this. So we have to start with food. i got to get this out of the way. Uh, you don't <laughs> have to just do barbecue like when you were in uh, Nashville. You can do yep. so much down there. If I remember correctly, and it's been a while, I'm sure things have changed a bit since I've been down there, but if I remember right, I think they have a fantastic all-you-can-eat seafood buffet at the Tropicana. Okay, I'll have to check it out. This is a, this is my first time in Vegas. Oh, you're kidding. So, yeah, so I've been asking everybody to give me their recommendations, their must-see, their must-do, and I'm trying to fit it in around the work and see what I can do. Um, I, I was talking to Greg Mackling this morning who gave, you know, I love facts. I love statistics. Yeah. I'm a journalist. Uh-huh. Do you know that they go through more shrimp here in one day than the entire rest of the United States? 60,000 pounds a day. I actually, I heard Vegas. that on Mackling <laughs> and McGarry with you this morning driving in. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of shrimp, eh? It's crazy. Yeah. The, and, you know, people have been sending me these, you know, insane photos of some of the foods you can get here. And one of my favorites that I've gotten that I've said is um, it's a cotton candy ice cream burrito. Oh, wow. That sounds good. <laughs> Wow. So I think if you if you need that sugar rush to get you through, you know, the game or the night or whatever yeah. that may be in mm-hmm. Las Vegas, you know, yeah. there is there's definitely lots of that to go around. Well, have fun. <laughs> uh, obviously, it's a game and you got to work, but try and, you know, squeeze in some fun. And I think you and I are going to talk tomorrow earlier in the show tomorrow. And I mentioned earlier, there's a viewing party out in Brandon tonight. Of course, we have the viewing parties here at Bell MTS Place. Do they do anything like that down there in Vegas with the Golden Knights? Like even, you know, in Nashville, they had the outdoor uh, a viewing party and and all that do they have a whiteout or or their version of a whiteout down there yeah they've got a party i'm actually standing right in front of t-mobile arena right now mm. that party gets started uh, about 3 3 30 ish puck drop here is 6 p.m um local time here so they actually are setting up right now they've got you know beer vendors and there's going to be music and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here so it's pretty quiet outside the arena right now i will say that you know just before i I, uh, started talking to you i saw a shifley jersey go by nice so we are seeing uh, some Winnipeggers here, some that I've talked to already. Yeah. Um, one couple um, who the girlfriend actually surprised her boyfriend on Saturday with tickets and and the trip for his birthday. So I think she might win girlfriend of the year right now. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> for that. And, and another guy that we talked to that actually had tickets to game two in Winnipeg sold them 
to fly down here so that he could watch a game down here. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, Brittany, I apologize. I'm going to have more time for you tomorrow. I'm sorry we got uh, backed up with this other uh, uh, Yanni Laurel debate here that's uh, all over the Internet today. So please, more time uh, for tomorrow when we chat earlier in the show tomorrow. And by the way, Brittany, if you run into a Winnipegger down there, uh, who would like to help me out with an experiment. I need to do this off the air and tape it to see if it works. If you run okay. into a Winnipegger down there who can help me out, is willing to help me out, email me their cell number, okay? And I'll call them and we'll see if this thing works. And, and we'll talk more tomorrow, I promise. All right, will do. Thanks, Thank you. Hal. Global News reporter Brittany Greenslade.